You're listening to the Corporate Quitter Podcast, where it's all about exploring possibilities for making an honest living outside of the traditional nine to five. everyone and welcome to this episode of Corporate Quitter. I'm your host, Gabby Einel, and today's guest is super special. She is a force to be reckoned with. I think that she's doing is so important, especially from a financial wellness perspective. So I'm so grateful that she can come on. Her name is Kelsey Willock. She is the CEO and co-founder of Aura, a financial wellness and investment platform. She is also the author of Not Your Boyfriend's Investment Advice, a weekly newsletter where she uses humor and storytelling to educate readers about personal finance and investing. Prior, she worked for Goldman Sachs, advising the world's top hedge fund clients, and as an ambassador for Launch with GS, the firm's billion-dollar commitment to investing in diverse entrepreneurs and investment managers. So, Kelsey, I'm so grateful, like I said in the beginning, that you are here to make a difference in the world of financial wellness, because as we all know from being in part of these banking institutions and like the Robin Hoods of the world is that there is such a gap between investment knowledge and like just education in general. So I'm so grateful that you're the person to bring this to the world. Thank you so much for having me, Gabby. I'm really looking forward to the conversation today. Yes. Your intro kind of gives us a bit of a background, but I'm sure that it's not a linear story. So can you get into how, you know, you were at Goldman and then all of a sudden right now you're kind of falling into entrepreneurship, this role as the CEO and co-founder of Aura. So yeah, yeah, definitely. And I'll also just say off the bat, when I found Corporate Quitter, I was so excited because clearly I'm one of those people. And I think we're shifting toward a world where people are really starting to craft the life they want to live both in their work and how they spend their dollars. And it's definitely not a linear path for anyone. I'm happy to share a bit about my story, but it's certainly one with trials and tribulations. So, you know, as expected, I'm glad that you're sharing a lot of these stories too, because I found myself slightly frustrated with a lot of the, you know, how I built this because I didn't see enough for lack of better word, like struggle and an honesty, because it is a really difficult path, but one that so many people want to pursue. And so being transparent about what it takes is I think really important. So I'm glad that you're creating a platform for people to show the real side of what it takes to launch your own venture and, and quit corporate life. So thank you for that. My story is, so I had been born into a family of entrepreneurs from Chicago, attended uh, Wake Forest University and studied business with a focus on new business development in English, which a lot of people gave me a lot of grief for, which has turned out to be one of my most powerful assets to be a writer. I had always had an intention in working in, you know, startup life. I worked in a number of different startups. I worked in an ed tech, a fintech. I worked for Rent the Runway and wanted to do my own thing or work at an early stage company post-college. But unlike a lot of the stories you hear about in the news, um, my parents' business went under when I was around a sophomore in school. So I went from feeling like I can take on the world to here's $200,000 of student debt, figure out your life. And I just remember feeling so insecure and anxious about how could I even possibly get to zero? I don't know how. So I was fortunate enough to get an opportunity to work for Goldman Sachs my junior year. And that's really where I started to learn about the power of investing. I also had the opportunity to either move to New York City or Salt Lake City. And at the age of 20, I realized it might be a little bit more affordable to move and live in Salt Lake. Since I had so much debt, it was kind of a no-brainer for me and ended up living there for two years. And in that time, I really started to learn about power of investing. And that's what I am now building today, basically a place for people to get started and put their dollars to work. Flash forward, I ended up staying in my corporate role for six years. I was advising mainly institutional clients, and I did enjoy what I was doing, but 
I didn't feel that classic, am I making an impact? Especially when you're working at such a large firm like Goldman, as a more junior person, it's difficult to feel that. So although I was pushing and I was working on programs like Launch with GS, which I genuinely was and felt like I was making an impact, I always yearned for a little bit more. Especially when I started working with different entrepreneurs and investment managers, I got to see the power in which they were able to deliver value to their clients and had such passion in what they were doing. So finally working on launch for three years, I felt compelled, okay, can I finally go do something on my own? I still had student debt though, which was a little scary, Um, but I had gotten myself to a position where I felt so ready both financially and physically that I, I took a risk and I ended up leaving my job February, 2021 and joining On Deck Founders Fellowship to basically learn from other entrepreneurs in that zero to one stage and kind of go full force into, can I, uh, you know, pursue my own venture? So cool. It's crazy too, because it's only what, 10 months ago that you were working at a job and now here you are like, you know, you're doing like fundraising calls and you have this app and you have like the aura, like money archetype quiz. Like you have all these things put in place and it's like come so far and yet you're still just at the beginning, which is crazy. Like you could be at both places at once. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's definitely something that has taken a lot of time and patience as well as to be honest, I've been working way harder than I was in my corporate job. And the reason I have still so much passion for it in the couple months that I've been working is I love what I'm doing and I'm getting that direct impact. Even just a note or a LinkedIn message from someone saying, hey, your blog got me to open up a brokerage account has kept me going and will continue to keep me going because I want to help so many more young people use the dollar to their benefit rather than you know just have cash sitting on the sidelines. It has taken time and it's certainly not all days are wonderful. (laughs) They can be really hard, but just meeting people that you're helping, it kind of changes the game. Yeah, a thousand percent. That's part of the reason why I've kept going all this time is because the impact. Like many people who have kind of tried the entrepreneurial route, whether it was successful or not, we've all been there where like you try one idea and like maybe you do it for a month. You don't tell anyone. You're just like doing it in secret. And then you like lose the momentum and you just like drop it completely. That happened to me maybe like three or four times over the course of my corporate career, right? Doing the side thing, right? Because I want to start the side business to then become the full-time business. But the passion was never there. The impact was never there. So I can never keep up with it, right? The mental, you know, gymnastics that you do are just kind of out the window. So now, right, because we're both in a place of like, helping others before, I would say helping ourselves in some regard, because there's so much on the line if this doesn't work. Not that it's not, it definitely will because you're in a place of providing value, but it's just a very interesting place to be in, especially when it's like, you don't yet see the rewards for what you're doing. I think it's really interesting how you touched on that side hustle piece though, too. I had a side hustle in 2020 and it was definitely the straw that broke the camel's back for me that made me want to pursue entrepreneurship full time. And I would even say for anyone looking to pursue leaving your corporate job, testing it out, is it going to be an environment you thrive and enjoy? And side hustles are a great way to kind of dip your toes in what that would be like to be your own boss and have to manage your own inventory or do your own marketing, grow a team. So actually in 2020, I started a a nonprofit called Stuck in Notes and it's so kind of meta, but I had so many startup ideas stuck in my iPhone notes that I thought, you know, maybe other people are experiencing the same analysis paralysis and ended up launching a magazine where people put thoughts, hopes, and dreams to paper 
with the hope of, you know, hopefully making it come true or helping them pursue whatever dream that they had had stuck in their phone notes. And then after growing that magazine and, and reaching so many people, I thought, you know, I love this. I love how entrepreneurship is so challenging in the sense that you have to learn so much in a condensed period of time. I also, I love how you have to leverage other people. You cannot do everything on your own. You have to build teams. So it was definitely what got me to ultimately leave my job. And it's so funny because I went from developing a zine, a literary zine to building out a banking product, but they're so interwoven because they require very similar things. And it takes taking a leap of faith, working with brilliant and great people and kind of just keeping your head to the ground and not giving up. Yeah. And it's so cool how I find time and time again that all the things that we do, whether they look like missteps or not, all are synonymous with the end goal every single time. Always. I mean, I at the time, I'll never forget, I uh, when I first found the number that I had owed in debt, I sat on my floor and I just cried. I, I threw all my clothes out of my drawers and I was so upset because I didn't know how I'd ever get into a better situation. And looking back in retrospect, I wouldn't change anything. And although at the time it was really difficult, you know, emotionally and financially, it's made me who I am today and it's led me to the business that I'm building. And I'm a firm believer everything happens for a reason. And, and they continue to be all the things that are positive and negative through the journey. Yeah. So now that we're kind of talking about like side hustle and now you're like full-time hustle, basically, like one thing that I love that you touched on when we first connected was that there are so many different routes that people can take when they want to leave their job. Like, I think there's this misconception that when you leave your job, it's either entrepreneurship or you stay at a job. But like, are there other routes that people can pursue when it comes to like doing your own thing? Definitely. And to be cognizant that not everyone is in the economic position to just cut cold turkey. And I completely recognize and empathize with that. There are ways to ease into it and test to see, is it something you can you know, financially pursue as well as, again, do you like doing this? Because entrepreneurship isn't for everyone and that's fine. And so when we last spoke, I think sometimes we've created this kind of like glorification of, I want to be my own boss. And that's the only way you can make an impact. And I don't know if that's necessarily true. Definitely there is a space and we need more entrepreneurs to do that. But if you're not ready to be the entire leader, there are so many organizations, especially startups such as myself, that are yearning for talent to help them grow their own businesses. So to be a third, fourth, 10th, 60th hire at a new budding company, you still will have the opportunity to make such a massive impact there. And it's a way to also learn what that culture is like in the early stages of a company. And if you're enjoying it, then maybe down the line, you can pursue your own business while you've gained operator experience and what an early stage company involves. And also early stage companies don't always need to be the classic, you know, like tech startup. They can be smaller businesses. They can be, you know, a kombucha company that has a food truck. It's really about what do you really care about? What do you want to learn about? And what do you need to learn about to be able to do what you care about? And so for me, for instance, I had that financial services acumen to build a financial services business. That being said, there are things I don't know and need people to help me. So I've been tapping people at corporations that have the expertise that we need to grow this business. And I see those individuals as also pursuing entrepreneurship, not as a CEO, but as an early builder and founding team member. Yeah. 
It's so cool. When you go from like a, such a large company to a smaller one, how flexible things become. Like, you know, the thing with startups is that because it is small, like you have to juggle so many different hats and right. That's scary, but it's also really cool because if you wanted to tap into an area or an industry or even have it be in the same room with people that you wouldn't normally be in, being in a startup with a smaller company could give you that platform to maybe see what coding's all about. Not that you would like take on coding a full blown app, but like, again, being in that room that you wouldn't be in prior because maybe accounting is the only thing that you know, or something to that effect. Right. And I always think, you know, leverage whatever expertise you have. So in the case that you're, you know, an accountant working at a large corporate firm, like a big four firm, and you want to look into working at a startup, show them the skills that you have that you can help them with. And in return, ask for what they can teach you. Because the truth and reality is when you're an early stage member, you're often wearing many hats in general. You're not expected to already have all of the skills and expertise to work there. But if you check a certain amount of boxes and make yourself an invaluable asset to them, that's when things really get interesting. And that's when you also start to be given opportunities to learn about different things. Like, you know, can you learn a little bit more about what product involves? Can you learn a little bit more about what design involves, user research? There are things you can quickly come up to speed on, but it's all about, you know, flexing how you can be a value add to them at the beginning. Yeah. It is an interesting world to be in though, especially when you come from such a large company. So highly recommend it for anyone who hasn't touched startup yet to definitely check it out. But I want to kind of flip back to like when you were at your job and stuff, because some of the people who listen to the podcast, they are either in the weeds in their business or they're like still at the job and they're like, okay, I want to leave, but like, how do I prepare to leave the job? Right. How can I support myself financially when I take the leap? Yeah. And I think it's a great question and one that I was very confused by. I now work in San Francisco. I've been there about four years and it's extremely expensive to live there. So I I couldn't wrap my head around how do you quit your job, not have an income for a certain period of time and fund your life. So as a pretty math focused person, I just did an analysis. I worked back from it and I said, okay, I'm going to give myself two years to potentially work without a salary. And what would that cost? So I learned, you know, this is what my yearly rent cost is going to be. This is my estimated food and different, you know, going out to see friends, paying different, you know, for weddings and whatnot. I got my two year, basically, what is my spending going to be? And then I started saving. I even moved out of my apartment in San Francisco for about eight months. I lived with my grandma. I also lived with my boyfriend's family just to keep saving and accelerate that saving. So I saved to that exact number. And to be honest, you have to kind of be reasonable with yourself. You're likely going to go over budget. So give yourself some wiggle room, but also setting a timeline with expectations is I think something that can help you wrap your head around what it's going to be like to quit your job. Because for me, uncertainty is is a little too, it doesn't make me feel comfortable. So I wanted to get myself where I felt really comfortable, knew I was making a decision that I was not only happy and excited to pursue, but I was also going to be okay financially if, you know, my venture didn't work out. And giving myself a timeline of, you know, when's appropriate to exit if this thing isn't going to work. And the reality is a lot of times businesses don't work. So, you know, preparing for the worst situation is only going to help you mentally. That's one of the things that I had done. And then secondly, I still developed and kept and maintained great relationship with the people that I had worked at Golden with and still maintain those relationships. 
one of the best pieces of advice that I've ever gotten, probably the best piece of uh, work advice has been, do the job that you are currently doing as if it is the last job you'll ever have. So although toward the end of my corporate career, I wasn't enjoying it as much, I needed to make sure that I was maintaining the relationships that I had built. And to be transparent, I wish I almost did that even better. But it helps you be able to not burn bridges in the event that maybe you want to go back to your corporate job someday, or maybe you need to tap someone for a referral. You don't want to ever say, you know, I hate this place, I'm leaving, and I'm on to bigger and better things. Make sure you maintain those relationships so you can leverage them as you grow into different career opportunities. And so, yeah, preparing uh, both financially and relationship-wise was two of the things that I think were most important. Yeah. I agree. The relationships in my life and right in podcasting and all the things have probably gotten me so much farther than my skills alone. Because anyone can learn a skill, but those connections, that foot in the door is the thing that might, and maybe certain cases, like for you, for someone who's looking for funding, like might get you the conversation with the investor you need to have who's going to launch the business or like whatever it is. Yeah. Exactly. And it's all about transparency. So many people just say like, yeah, I quit my job when I started something. There's a there's a lot of thinking that goes into that. Yeah. And it's definitely, like you said before, it's not for everyone. And that's one of the reasons why I'm doing what I'm doing is because I am so sick of the BS. Like I'm sick of people being lying about it, glorifying it when sometimes it's not really glorified. I mean, I love it. And every single day I would choose this 10 times over my corporate job, even if it's getting paid less, at least right now. But yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it's, it's definitely really, it's definitely really hard. One other actually thing I, I want to mention is When you leave, I wanted to know what I was doing next. And it gave me a level of comfort because I joined this community of founders where I knew I was, you know, going to be developing my idea. I hadn't had my, you know, full fleshed idea ready. No one ever does. Things iterate and change. But that gave me some peace of mind because I had direction. On the flip side, I have had friends that were just completely burned out in their corporate jobs and also took a hiatus. And that's also fine. But for me, I just wanted to know what my next steps were going to be so I could be productive in those next steps, especially since I had that condensed timeline in which I would give myself the opportunity to pursue something. But also, if you just need to quit to reset and think about what you care about and learn about yourself, that can equally be as impactful in your life. Oh, yeah. Like I know actually a couple of people who they quit because they were just so burnt out. And after about a month or two of them like chilling, like just resetting, like refining out who they are and then discovering what boundaries that were not in place that needed to be in place. They found a new job with paid better that was in a much better just job all around because they went in knowing that they needed new boundaries put in place. They put them in place right at the beginning, right? And they're a new, refreshed, re-energized person. And so they are 10 times happier. And yet, right, they don't have to be like in a place of like, being entrepreneurial, right? You're doing the entrepreneurial thing and you're like struggling. You don't know what you're doing. Like they took what they needed, went back to corporate and then they'll pursue entrepreneurship when it's more appropriate. Exactly. I don't know if anyone knows the story of the founder of WhatsApp. I'm pretty sure he applied to get a job at Facebook, was working at another corporate company, didn't get a job at Facebook and then went traveling to play Frisbee golf or something abroad for a couple of years. During that time in which he was playing this more, you know, obscure sport, realized how difficult it was to communicate with friends around the world, built WhatsApp, and finally sold it to Facebook for billions of dollars in the future. So 
Although I'm sure a lot of his, you know, maybe family members and friends thought, wow, that's probably a really terrible decision to go play, you know, Frisbee golf or I'm blanking on exactly what he did, but it turned out to be an incredible opportunity for him to identify this massive market opportunity. So don't let people criticize your quote unquote obscure path because sometimes it's exactly what you need to come into something amazing. Yeah, I agree. Thousand percent agree. So cool. I didn't know that actually. I knew that Facebook bought it, but I didn't realize that that's pretty cool. It's a nice like middle finger to the man, if you will. Like hey, you didn't want me and here you are, you know, it's funny. So, you know, you're talking about people who like want a quick corporate, whether they want to go the startup route or they want to do entrepreneurship. So how can someone make quicker progress with their ideas? There are so many different avenues that you can get information, whether it's like YouTube. So what's, what's your take on that as someone who's like, you're basically doing the damn thing, right? I'd say there's two things. Do it (laughs) and meet with other people that are going through it. You know, for me, I was reading all the books. I was listening to how I built this obsessively. Although it was helping, it wasn't necessarily showing me the truth, nor was I building relationships. And being an entrepreneur, I have found, is about building relationships. Perfect example, you and I had built a relationship just by our shared love of quitting corporate life and pursuing a venture. You know, I have only gotten to where I am today by way of the conversations that I've had with people that have inspired me, that have supported me, that have helped me in things that I need help on understanding, and have also just taught me the tricks of the game because it is not something, you know, you're not going to be able to follow like a 10-step process in building a business because there are so many twists and curves to the process. You're not, maybe, you know, if if there was a 10-step process, you might go from uh, one to eight to 10 to back to four. It's not linear. So I, I would just say, start talking to different entrepreneurs. So for example, for me, I started talking to a ton of different entrepreneurs in financial services because I was building in financial services as well as like healthcare and wellness because we're also a wellness focus. If you're interested in building some like consumer beverage product, talk to every founder you possibly can that built consumer beverage products. Is that just through like LinkedIn? Like you just do a search on LinkedIn of like a founder and then change industry or how would you recommend finding like a mentor? I find LinkedIn to be helpful, but you know, sometimes not as helpful. I would go through avenues like Twitter. People are really responsive on Twitter, especially if someone posts something that you're interested in, engage with it. People love to be complimented and tell them, you know, done your research rather than just reach out to someone like, Hey, I'm interested in starting a a consumer beverage business. And I saw you started a consumer beverage business. Find an article they wrote and say, you know, I took the time to read your article and was so inspired by XYZ and what you said. I've been thinking about it this way and and these are my thoughts would love to have a conversation with you. If you personalize it, people are going to be so much more willing to have chats with you. I would also say like join communities where people are building. There are so many micro communities that are, are incredible these days beyond your average like LinkedIn social network, which sometimes are too broad. I would th- get specific about what you're interested in. So again, for me, I, I knew I wanted to be a part of this founder community in San Francisco. So I found on deck. And that was a founder community, which I have even joined like the sub communities of on deck again, focused on the financial services, people that have been just honestly like invaluable. 
So I would definitely find micro communities. Discord is another channel that I would work on. You know, how do you find those communities you're interested in? For instance, when I was doing stuck in notes, there was a Discord channel of founders building zines. That sounds so niche, but finding a niche is a powerful, powerful thing. Even with corporate quitter, I found corporate quitter by way of the TikTok algorithm because I was a corporate quitter myself. The algorithm worked wonders. So look at certain hashtags about what people are doing and building that are interesting to you. Just get engaged with those communities. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I haven't yet gone down the Discord route. I like went as much as downloading the app, but I haven't yet gone down it. I feel like it's a rabbit hole, but I'm curious to see how, I feel like that's going to be a big player in this upcoming game of like community building and like, again, niche market and stuff like that. But um, I like that you touched on kind of like, right, you went the extra mile of finding a community that served you best versus casting a net to a wide pool. Because I know a lot of people, they are hesitant to join groups. They're hesitant to pay for groups. Like they don't want anything to do with groups because either they don't want to share their information or they're afraid that they're going to make a bad investment. But like by you not taking action, that's already a bad investment of your time. Exactly. And I think analysis paralysis is tough for people. And I certainly had it myself. And the example is I had a thousand ideas in my phone. I had no idea how to get started. So if if you feel that way, start having conversations with people because learning what you don't like is just as powerful as what you do. So if, for instance, you're interested in pursuing that like consumer beverage company, but you also might be interested in, you know, opening up a restaurant. Well, have a million conversations with both communities of people and start to identify like, what I want to do this? Do I think I can do this? Do I have enough individuals in my network that could help me get to the next step? So I think just making lists of what you're generally interested in, learning from the people that have already been in building in those spaces, and then, you know, start to dig at it. Yeah. So when you talk about you having all these ideas in your notes, like I do the same exact thing. My Trello board is filled with things. Why specifically Aura? Why did you pick this specific idea that you had of all the others? Like, and also why did you create an app? Why are you the person to bring this specific product to the, like basically the world? Yeah, no, it's a great question. So basically for me, it became a no brainer when I thought about what things I needed, especially when I was getting started. And financial wellness has always been something that's so impactful in my life. Like I said, I I graduated with a ton of debt and felt massive amounts of financial anxiety and that was affecting my relationships. It was affecting how I thought I could build my life into what I wanted to be and how I wanted to be happy. And when I finally started learning the power of investing and making my dollar work for me, I was able to control both my anxiety and take control of my finances. So I want to give that to so many more people. Specifically, you know, Aura is built with women in mind, but for everyone. So when I say that, you know, I see us much more similar to a company like Bumble, built with women's dating experience in mind, but for everyone. Because for, for too long... I think women have been seen as a niche rather than a default when it comes to financial services, although they have such massive buying power. Women control 84% of consumer buying power, yet they often make the minority of users on financial services platforms. I'm talking like 20 to 30% of users. Women are also much more likely to be impoverished in retirement. They're missing out on millions of wealth creation over the course of their lifetime. And to beat a dead horse, 
everyone knows about the wealth gap that exists. And what they don't talk enough about is it's not just salary that affects it. You know, it is affected by investing. So if we help more women in underserved populations put their dollar to work, we're going to close those gaps a lot faster. And we're going to help address financial anxiety and anxiety in general. People don't realize this, but the majority of wellness products address the symptoms of anxiety rather than the actual underlying reason it's caused in the first place. Money is the leading cause of anxiety, yet we are only treating symptoms. We are not addressing the root cause, and I want to be the first mover that does that. And so working in banking for six years, being an investor for also six, seven years myself, I have understood this marketplace extremely well, but I also understand the gaps that are missing from the market. You touched on Robinhood in the beginning, and I don't want to, you know, harp too much on my opinions of the business, but I will say so many more people these days are invested because of companies like Robinhood that have made the market accessible. And I feel this deep responsibility to help people make not only decisions and put their dollar to work, but do it with good behavior in mind. So that's why with Aura, we, you know, are a place where you can learn and earn and grow with us with the intention of you making good behavior. So we don't want you to come and trade in and out of different products on a daily basis. We want you to think long-term to ultimately have the best returns. People don't know this, but 90% of passive managers outperform active. That basically means if you put yourself in a diversified portfolio that you care about over the course of your lifetime, you're going to be much better off than day trading. And that's not only true for retail investors, that's true for hedge fund managers that do this professionally. So I just feel this massive responsibility to help help people make good decisions about their investments and uh, improve financial literacy, which is so sorely needed. Yeah. And I think the great thing too is that Aura is really focusing on the education piece because from my experience, right, you download these apps like Robinhood. Like I specifically, I use Robinhood. I use other things like Stash. I have Acorns. I have a ton of different products that I use or apps I should use that have different products in them. But no one's really educating you on what the hell you're doing. I'm like, oh, that stock looks cool. Like I like that person, so I'm going to buy their company. Or like, oh, everyone's buying Apple, so I'm going to buy Apple. But no one really specifies like, why should I care, right? Why should I do that? Why? Like everyone wants to be a millionaire, so I'm going to invest so I'm like safe for the future. But also like, what does that even mean, right? What does that look like? How do I even make decisions that are relevant to my wants, my needs, my long-term goals, as well as like the things that I care about? I mean, that's a lot to cover in a financial app, but the fact that you're bringing something like that to market with the mental health capacity in mind is so important. And what we also found when we were doing initial research was it wasn't necessarily an access problem and it wasn't necessarily just a financial literacy problem. It was an emotional problem. Money is deeply emotional and no one on the street is addressing that component to it. So we really see ourselves as a banking and neo-banking product that leads with empathy and brings back the human to the user experience. And the human that listens to you rather than tells you what to do, we want to learn about you. We want to learn about what you need from us. And then we curate the user experience in a hyper-personalized way to suit your needs. We don't want to be a one-size-fits-all. We want to say, hey, what's your money story? So we can really help you write the next chapter. Yeah. And I love how like, well, I mentioned it before, but like that aura quiz to determine your money archetype or kind of like, it's like almost like your astrological sign, but for like money, I think that's so cool because like I took it and I was like, wow, like only a series of, I don't know, six, seven questions it pretty much hit the nail on the head when it comes to like how I approach money, how I spend the emotional component, like things that an app or another experience has never shown me. 
the money archetype assessment we actually developed with a behavioral psychologist researcher at Georgetown. The idea behind that, again, is if we understand you, we can better understand how we need to serve you. And we also recognize people love taking personality assessments. They love learning about themselves. They love Myers-Briggs. They do CoStar. So we're trying to meet users where they already are rather than introduce them to something that's completely unfamiliar. So when you come to Aura, it, it looks much more similar to a Strava or a Noom than it does any banking product that you've ever used. And that was built with a lot of intention because, again, we want you to come here and it feel familiar and it feel exciting and you feel welcome. Ask no dumb questions are seen on Aura. Everything is, is fair game. And we also want to reward you again for taking the time to learn and educate yourself. So if you, you know, take Investment 101 with us and you're the star, we'll say, hey, you know, you might want to be more cognizant of XYZ than the empath that, you know, might be a little bit more risk averse. So every piece of content that you consume is, you know, is built for you. And we're going to continue learning from you about the, again, those services that you need over time. Yeah. I just, I think it's so cool to bring a concept like that to something that's typically seen as so serious and stuffy, right? Like for me, I always felt like the financial space, even coming from investment management, like I eventually went into asset management because I wanted to learn about investments and assets and just learn that whole world when I never really learned it in the past. And so that became a little more accessible, but it's still so daunting and it's overwhelming and like honestly terrifying, especially as women when we're not really seen as the person to make I don't want to say smart decisions, but right, we're seen as the caregivers, we're seen as the moms, we're seen as the people who like rely on the really like self-sufficient breadwinning husband. So for someone like you to bring something that really will serve everyone and also empowers women, right? It's for everyone, but it's empowering women is really freaking cool. No, thank you. And again, anyone is welcome at Aura. When you build with a community of people that has been left out, you ultimately create a more inclusive system. So ideally, any gender is going to be welcome on Aura. We just don't want there to be, you know, disproportion. And we think companies like Bumble did such an excellent job doing that. You know, they listened to women's experience dating. They learned about the things that other apps had been doing that made them feel uncomfortable. And then ultimately built one of the most inclusive dating experiences. And also they entered new markets like Bumble Friends, Bumble Business. We want to do that. We want to build just again with them in mind since they've been so massively underserved when it comes to financial services. So what can people do? Like, how do they get involved with Aura? Like they want to take the quiz if they want, like, when does the app go live? Yeah, no, definitely. So we're going to be going officially live sometime next year. I won't share exactly those dates, but right now we have a wait list. So if you're interested, go to AuraFinance.io to sign up for our wait list. And we're actually going to be letting a subset of that wait list off into a community where they can help us co-design and really tell us what they like about the app and what they don't like. So if you're interested in being a part of that, definitely go to the website and sign up. You'll be able to see all of the different financial literacy and investment management products and services, but you'll also be given the opportunity to say, hey, I need this in addition to what you're already offering, uh, or I don't like this. So it's really your opportunity to be a part of the early build and design something that works best for you. Which also, by the way, is such a smart marketing tool because, you know, everyone wants to get involved. They want to put their two cents in. So like, it's like, uh, you know, to kill two birds with one stone type of thing, like get the information, get the feedback, but also have people have fun with it. So that's cool. Exactly. So we want to hear from you. We want to learn from you. Definitely. Please come join us regardless of your gender for sure. Uh, go hit that waitlist button. 
Yeah. So I, uh, before we wrap this up, I just want to touch on one last thing, just like as a nice send off that I do for everyone, whether it's business or personal related, if you could give advice to your younger self, what would that be? Trust the process because there are going to be a lot of times in your life that you question why something's happening. And I've certainly had a lot of those moments in my life. And in retrospect, kind of like we touched on the beginning of this call, everything happens for a reason. And I know that people are going to experience some really high highs and some low lows, and especially you will in entrepreneurship. And sometimes you're going to feel like giving up. And, and sometimes you, you do need to and give yourself the opportunity to reset, but it's all a part of a long game and everything does really happen for a reason. So I would tell myself it's going to be okay. Trust the process. It's going to make who you are someday. It's going to help craft that person and you're going to be really proud of that person. So um, hang in there. Yeah. I love that. And I so vibe with that. It's like, I don't know if you've ever done the, if you call it like a technique, but like you ever do the thing where they say, picture yourself from five years ago, your younger self looking up now at your older self, they would be so proud. Like you'd be moved to tears to see from that perspective, how much you've done if you would only look at it. Definitely. And I think, you know, especially when I was younger, I had such big dreams for myself at one point. I was like, oh, I'm going to be an actor. I'm going to be a writer and all these different things. Uh, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. And kind of taking a moment to also digest, like once you're there, you know, you're still going to have more aspirations, like what next, what next, what next. But give yourself a pat on the back when you make certain milestones. Like when you take a leap of faith, like leaving your job, that is a huge milestone that you should be proud of yourself and keep reminding yourself how far you've come not just continuing to obsess about what next because it's it's a long ride. <laughs> so yeah. yourself to time to celebrate those wins is super important. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited to see the Aura app. I'm so excited to be part of this community. I'm so excited to see how you're going to change the way finance is done because as we all know, shit needs to change. So thank you so much again for being on and for basically being the person to do this. Thank you so much. I really appreciate coming on here. And definitely, if anyone ever has questions for me about writing, about entrepreneurship, about community building, or even if you're just wanting to be a user and learn more about Aura, please feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn or on DMs. I'm I'm an open book and love to hear from you. Awesome. Well, thank you again. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good one. Thank you so much, Gabby. Thanks for listening to the Corporate Quitter Podcast. Visit corporatequitter.com for resources, extended content, and additional information about our guests. To connect with us, stay up to date on all things Corporate Quitter, and to learn more about how you can leave the nine to five, follow us on Instagram and TikTok. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks, guys.